time again for Doc Shock, your addiction lifeguard podcast. I am Dr. Jacques DeBrucker, a psychologist, licensed professional counselor, and addiction specialist. If you are suffering from addiction, misery, trauma, whatever it is, I'm here to help. If you're in search of help to try to get your life back together, join me here at Doc Shock, your addiction lifeguard, the addiction recovery podcast. to be real clear about what this podcast is intended for. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes, but not considered help. If you actually need real help and you're in need of help, please seek that out. If you're in dire need of help, you can go to your nearest emergency room or you can check into a rehab center or call a counselor like me and talk about your problems and work through them. But don't rely on a podcast to be that form of help. It's not. It's just a podcast. It's for entertainment and information only. So let's keep it in that light, all right? Have a good time, learn something, and then get the real help that you need from a professional. In this podcast, I wanted to tackle something that has been plaguing people for a long time, at least in my practice and in my experience, in their attempt at recovery. One of the things that commonly comes up is, in their experiences in recovery, the tragedies of their life, trauma, and the things that they've done, and the things that have been done to them. And because of that conversation, it usually leads to, what am I supposed to do about it? And you know, one of the things that you got to do about it is heal. But how do you do that? And so... There's something that's very personal to me that uh, has become difficult for people, and I, I walk them through this, and it's the number one thing that seems to be the thing I talk about usually in working with clients, and that is the understanding of forgiveness. And I've had multiple podcasts on that. I've had guests come in and talk about it, and I still uh, seem to struggle with that idea when I'm working with clients. How do you forgive, and what does that look like? What does it mean? So that's what I want to talk about today is forgiveness. And what do I do with it? My perspective on that and what it means to experience forgiveness from inside. From inside of you. From that point where you have to forgive yourself for things. And what do you do when you have to forgive yourself for something? So that's what I'm going to talk about today. Sometimes we find our inspiration from books or people. Sometimes people find inspiration. It's usually from the the words from others. They seem to be inspiring to us. That's, I think, why we are so attracted to the idea of podcasts and magazines and books and movies and TV shows. We want to hear people's stories. And we want to be able to connect to those stories and understand them. And I think that's an important part of recovery, too. Um, That's why we love to have people go to meetings. Sitting in AA or NA or SA or any of the A's seems kind of pointless if you're just sitting there and you're not really attuned to the people in the room, especially the speaker. That's why people love to go to speaker meetings. 
listening to somebody tell their story. Usually, a speaker meeting, when it's known that it's going to happen, draws a big crowd. And it can be very interesting and entertaining, but thought-provoking experience to hear somebody's story. And you think of them as being rock solid in their recovery. Maybe they're 20 years in recovery, and then they tell you the story. And it's just, it's a, it's a horrible experience that they had as, as a child or growing up or even as an adult sometimes. I think we find a lot of guidance from people's stories. And I wanted to tell a story today. I use this a lot of times in my private practice when I'm trying to uh, explain to people what forgiveness is about or how to explain it. Because that's something they just don't seem to get. They don't get forgiveness. It's very difficult to understand how to do something if you don't even understand what it's about. So I want to tell a story about a gentleman who he was living his life and it was a life that completely changed based on his story. And so the story that it's about an English guy that lived between 1725 and 1807 and he was the captain of a ship and he was a typical kind of English sailor guy uh not living a good life that's for sure um <laughs> going from port to port and um was not a Christian but he was the captain of a slave ship and while he did uh, change radically, but it wasn't until later in life. And so I wanted to tell you a little bit about this guy's life. He has been described in writings and, and by his own words as being um, an arrogant sinner. Uh, that's how he kind of lived his life. And um, he very much had a problem with... Uh, drinking and uh, acting, you know, like a typical sailor, not accountable to anybody, just kind of living the life, life the way he wanted to. And so he's sailing in this ship and he, at, in, uh, in 1747, sailing the slave ship, when his ship was caught in a huge storm and he thought he probably was going to die. He was lashed to the uh, the helm to try to steer that ship through that storm. And, you know, for a sailor, when you're on a sailing ship and the ocean is serving up, you know, tremendous swells and the winds are blowing out of control and ripping the boat apart, you're pretty much doomed at that point. You're out there by yourself. You know, I mean, there are other people on the ship. The slaves are on the ship and the crew is on the ship and he's on the ship. But you pretty much are convinced you're going to die. There's just no way you're going to survive. And that's kind of what the situation he was in. And he, uh, at that moment, he said that he had turned himself over to God. He was trying to make peace with God because he was convinced he was going to die. But he survived. And it was, it was after that time in 1747 that uh, he realized kind of what he was doing. And he understood uh, that there was something that was wrong that was going on. And he wasn't quite sure what it was, but he was pretty sure that it was wrong. And, um, it, you know, it was, what was it, seven years after that that he finally left the occupation of captain of a slave ship. And when he left, he 
worked at trying to make things right with God. And he uh, converted to Christianity at that point. And it was through that conversion in Christianity that he really started to have a moral compass that was pointing a different direction. Or maybe even a moral compass at all. And finding that moral compass guided him to change his work and his belief and understanding of the slave trade. His mother, um, was, who was a Christian, taught him uh, things from the Bible when he was a young boy. But when he was seven years old, his mother died from tuberculosis, and that left left him with uh, not much of a life. And at 11 years, 11 years old, he left school, and he joined his father, who was a merchant Navy captain on the sea. And that's how he lived his life. So he really didn't have much of a, a childhood. Um, you know, at 11 years old, even back then, that was that was really young. So um, the guidance and the, the understanding of, of his life from his mother's perspective was cut very short, which would explain, you know, that's trauma, right? So he had severe trauma. And I'm sure <laughs> hanging around a bunch of sailors in 1744, um, was going to lead him to not such a good life. Um, he was in his teens when he was at sea, and then he was forced to join the Royal Navy in 1744. And um, he eventually deserted the Royal Navy and was discharged to a slave trading ship. And that was kind of his thing. And I guess because he'd been spending... So much time at sea, it was easy for him to attain a level of being a captain of a ship because I'm sure that he knew his trade well as, as a uh, sailor. And so here's this guy who, uh, at 39 years old, uh, well, actually, I think he was not 39 at the time. He was probably 35 at the time, or 30, 32, which in 17... 44 would be considered well into the end of middle age. Most people didn't live beyond 60 at that point. Um, so here he is out on the ocean, slave trade. And um, he decided that he had had enough. And so he left that occupation. Not only did he leave that occupation, but then he became an advocate and um, worked his life to try to work against the slave trade. And so when he had surrendered himself over to God and decided he was going to be a Christian, he then became a, uh, an ordained minister at the age of 39 when he left, the, uh, left his occupation as a sailor, captain. So here's this guy who was in the sl in the uh, slave trade, and he was uh, working as a captain of a ship, and he has this encounter with God who he feels uh, was trying to direct him away from his evil and uh, become an advocate against the slave trade. One of the ironic things about his life is that he was later abandoned by his crew in West Africa because he was such a horrible person that he was forced... <laughs> He was he was abandoned in West Africa where they would pick the slaves up and he was forced to be a servant to a slave trader in that in that situation because he had no way to get back and nobody really wanted anything to do with him because he's just this drunk, abusive captain 
and they left him there and he had no way to survive and they didn't apparently didn't i would guess not like him uh there in africa either um because he was such a miserable guy and so this slave trader uh, forced him into servitude and was forced to be a servant to his wife and had to um act as a slave and so then he went back to England. He was able to make his way back to England. And that's when that violent storm hit. And so he had the experience of understanding what it meant to be a slave. On top of the fact that uh, he felt like God was trying to give him a wake-up call in this storm. That he barely survived. And so he turned himself over to God at that moment. And his experience of, of having those those encounters with slavery himself, and then also being forced into um, servitude and and the storm all kind of converged on him, and that's when he left the slave trade. So he went from traumatic childhood experience to drunken teenage years with a father who God knows what he was like, to working in the slave trade after being thrown out of the uh, the uh, British military and the uh, British Navy, rather, and uh, trying to desert because he just probably couldn't deal with the structure and he was probably being abused as well because they were pretty abusive in the, the Royal Navy um, at the time. It was not a, not necessarily a good thing to ending up as a captain of a slave ship and then being abandoned by his crew and left in West Africa and then pressed into being a slave, basically a servant um, to keep to, to earn his keep and then making his way back to England to almost dying on the ship in a storm. Quite the life that guy led. Now at this point, you may be asking, well, who is this John Newton guy? Like, why am I bringing all this up? Well, John Newton wrote a bunch of hymns, uh, 280 of them, with this uh, these other gentlemen. And in those hymns, there was one in particular that uh, caught the attention of, of everybody uh, around the world. And... That is the basis for what I'm talking about. And the, the, I believe, gives the answer to how do we forgive ourselves from this man, of this horrible human being who in the 1700s converted to Christianity, became an ordained minister after leaving the slave trade and seeing the light. And it's from that background that I want you to actually pay attention to something that I'm going to uh, share with you after this message. So stay with me. I wanted to tell everybody about a treatment program. It's actually a grouping of treatment programs that uh, treatment centers that are out there for you if you need help. I have referred multiple clients to this particular program and have had very good results. It's called Sierra Tucson. They've been around since 1983 and they have been a world-class leader in residential treatment. 
Sierra Tucson staff is made up of highly experienced professionals who have dedicated their lives to helping others. In the ever-evolving field of behavioral and mental health, Sierra Tucson is a place of consistency and stability in their treatment. They follow what they have devised and called the Sierra Tucson model. It's an innovative and integrated approach to treatment that emphasizes strong diagnostics, evidence-based techniques, and holistic residential-focused care. The Sierra Tucson model also encourages the involvement of family members during the residents' treatment. That's an important part because it is a family problem and in families get sober, not just individuals. Should a resident extend an invitation, they allow the family member to participate in the treatment process. The Sierra Tucson model of treatment recognizes a simple truth. All of us exist as mind, body, spirit, and emotions. Only when the whole person is treated, not just the symptoms, but the underlying concerns, can positive outcomes be lasting. Reach out to Sierra Tucson located on the internet at sierratucson.com or you can call them directly at 844-816-8818. Contact them today and get the help that you need. So now let's figure out what John Newton did. So here we go. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me.
So John Newton is the writer of those words. He penned those words as a way of understanding forgiveness. You see, he had a lot to be forgiven for, and he certainly understood that. And so his words of amazing grace are those words that he wrote for himself to understand forgiveness, to accept forgiveness. Because I can't imagine a human being having a harder time forgiving himself for all of his problems. And coming to that point in that storm where he realized he had caused so much damage and that he was going to possibly die and meet his maker. And somehow his Christian roots, the words of his mother, those those beginnings, I think, were probably planting the seeds for him to understand that he needed to be forgiven. But be forgiven for what? Well, for all the things that he had done. And for that, the only answer was God's grace, God's love. Walking with forgiveness requires you to be able to turn it over somewhere and to understand what that means to turn it over. And that is a man who had a lot to be forgiven for. And that was a man who understood that he had a lot to be forgiven for. John Newton was a man who was tortured. And he didn't spend any time really talking to anybody about it afterwards. There were many times that there were people who were writers who would come to him and want to know, why did you do this? Or how did you change? Or what's the secret? And he really did not want to talk about it. He spent the rest of his life walking in faith as a minister and as a servant to the church and had to live and walk with forgiveness. And so my words to you are based on an understanding that forgiveness really requires you to be able to walk with that understanding that you are worthy of forgiveness. So the next time you hear that hymn, Really pay attention to the words and understand that that man wrote those words with an understanding of all the things that he had done and feeling the full weight of God's presence in his life at that moment when he thought he was going to die, lashed to that ship in that horrible storm. And it did take him years to get to the point where he actually accepted that, that forgiveness, that grace, that understanding. And if that person who suffers to that degree, can you also be forgiven? Absolutely. But you have to be able to ask for that forgiveness and understand that it can be accepted and given. So I want you to listen to that hymn and I want you to pay attention to those lyrics, those words that he spoke, because he was speaking them to himself. He was not writing them for other people necessarily. It was a very personal message to him. But I want you to listen to it as if it was a personal message for you. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That's an amazing, amazing concept if you can embrace it in your recovery. I hope that you do. And thanks for listening.